You're listening to the Berkeley Technology Law Journal podcast. I'm Andy Zakrich. After so many production, academic, and COVID-19 related setbacks, the BTLJ podcast is back to keep you updated on the latest news at the intersection of technology and the law. Over the next four weeks, the members of the podcast team will come at you from our remote shelter-in-place locations once or twice a week to inform you not only of how the novel coronavirus is impacting tech law, but also of the tech law news stories that are still developing and might get lost in the shuffle as the world rightfully focuses on this global emergency. Without further ado, here are some recent headlines about what's been happening this week in tech law. Today we'll be covering a federal court ruling on the CFAA, the T-Mobile Sprint merger, and mobile phone location data being used to track the spread of the novel coronavirus. According to a report from Ars Technica, a federal district court in Washington, D.C. ruled last week in a case called Sandvig v. Barr that violating a website's terms of service does not constitute criminal hacking under the Federal Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, or CFAA. The lawsuit was brought by a group of four academic researchers and the nonprofit First Looks Media Works with the help of the ACLU. The plaintiffs wanted to conduct research by creating fake accounts in order to investigate possible racial discrimination in online employment markets. The terms of service on these job sites more often than not prohibit the use of fake accounts, and the researchers were concerned that they would be criminally liable under a provision of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act that makes it a federal crime to access a computer in a manner that exceeds authorized access. The plaintiffs originally filed a suit in 2016 seeking a declaration from the court that this portion of the CFAA violated the First Amendment. Judge John Bates, however, skirted the constitutional issue and handed down a narrow ruling, finding that the plaintiff's specific research endeavor would not violate the CFAA. Judge Bates warned that, quote, criminalizing terms of service violations risk turning each website into its own criminal jurisdiction and each webmaster into his own legislature, unquote. He also stated that due to the constantly changing and complex nature of terms of service, it's not reasonable to make violations of them a criminal offense. While the Second and Ninth Circuits agree with Judge Bates that violating a website's terms of use is not a criminal offense, other courts have interpreted the statute more broadly finding criminal liability in cases where a person was authorized to access data but use that authorization inappropriately. The Supreme Court has yet to rule on this issue. T-Mobile and Sprint announced the closing of their $30 billion merger last Wednesday. The New York Times reported that the new business will continue under the T-Mobile name and will have around 100 million customers, rivaling competitors AT&T and Verizon. With the merger, T-Mobile hopes to gain more customers and provide faster service by developing 5G wireless technology. The company stated that deploying 5G would have taken much longer and been more expensive without their merger with Sprint. Last June, attorneys general from 13 states and the District of Columbia filed a suit in order to prevent the merger after federal regulators okayed the deal, arguing that the combination of the two companies would reduce competition leading to higher mobile bills for customers. The states also opposed T-Mobile and Sprint's claim that 5G deployment would be more difficult without a merger. However, Southern District of New York Judge Victor Marrero allowed the merger to go forward, 
the attorneys general had argued that the merger would decrease innovation, raise prices, and that Sprint is competitive even without the merger. But Judge Marrero concluded that he did not believe the merger would raise prices, and that, due to a series of bad business and technological decisions on Sprint's part, he did not believe that Sprint could operate as a competitive nationwide company without the merger. The judge relied on T-Mobile and Sprint's argument that DISH, which acquired Spectrum and Sprint's prepaid mobile business Boost Mobile as a result of this merger, could grow into a 5G competitor and increase competition. The attorneys general decided not to appeal the decision after a settlement whereby the new T-Mobile agreed to pay the state's legal fees, keep all their retail employees in the suing states, and maintain low price service plans in these states. With this merger, the number of major wireless carriers in the U.S. goes down to three. While this has led to significant concerns over prices ballooning for consumers, data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics has shown that the average monthly wireless bill has fallen over 25% in the past decade as the major carriers lower their prices to compete for customers. According to the Wall Street Journal, the U.S. government and governments around the world have been using phone location data to help coordinate their response to the global novel coronavirus pandemic. Officials state the data gives them an understanding of where people are still gathering in large numbers and how well certain cities and counties are honoring the stay-at-home orders. Last week, SFGate published a report about an interactive map created by a data company called Unicast which used cell phone data to track the decline in mobility in all the states and counties in the country. Unicast gets their data from hundreds of data supplier partners, typically smartphone apps that pull location data from users' phones. CNN also reported that Google and Facebook are among the companies that have been sharing their location tracking data with authorities around the world. Some countries have used this data in even more extreme ways in order to contain the virus. Taiwan police make regular phone calls to everyone who is home under quarantine, and if the citizen does not answer their phone, or their phone is dead, the police come to their home. The Israeli government has used location data to map the movement of infected people and alert people who have been in the same location as an infected person. Similarly, South Korea uses location data to issue alerts to the phones of citizens who are in the geographic vicinity of an infected person. Google stated it was releasing the data as a way to better understand and forecast the virus, and Facebook has stated they are aggregating community flow to understand the likelihood of people from different geographic areas coming into contact with one another. The services sharing the data in the U.S. have stated that it is anonymized and aggregated, therefore making it impossible to use to identify individuals. Privacy activists, however, have still expressed concerns about this data sharing. The ACLU stated that they were concerned this data sharing, especially with authorities, is a grab to increase surveillance power and urge the use of only aggregate data with strict safeguards, including minimizing data sharing, keeping the data only as long as necessary, deleting it immediately, and ensuring that no effort is made to identify individuals from anonymized data. According to the Wall Street Journal, government officials and companies in Europe believe they are in compliance with the GDPR because the location data being shared is anonymized. In California, it's still unclear if location tracking services are violating the law with these practices. Recently, a group of 33 companies wrote to the state's attorney general asking enforcement of the CCPA be delayed beyond its July start date. 
so that companies could focus on their response to the novel coronavirus. Thank you for listening. The BTLJ podcast is brought to you by Alan Holder and the members of the podcast team at the Berkeley Technology Law Journal. Today's episode was written, edited, and produced by Andy Zachert. We are committed to bringing you interesting news and conversations involving the intersection of technology and the law. If you enjoyed our podcast, please support us by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you found our podcast so we can reach other listeners. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, write us at btljpodcast at gmail.com. The information presented is not legal advice and may not be up to date. This podcast is intended for academic and entertainment purposes only. Remember, don't get legal advice from podcasts. Talk to a lawyer.